Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC, with today's episode. Hi, and welcome to episode eight of the Woman Warriors podcast. Today, we're talking to Maria Paredes, licensed professional counselor and eating disorder specialist, and we're exploring how body image or eating disorders can impact anxiety for women. We're going to look at how the societal norms and cultural norms can really shape how we feel about ourselves and what we look like. So I hope you'll tune in, give me some feedback, uh, and let me know what you think of the episode, because I really enjoyed talking to her. Enjoy. Hi, Maria, and welcome to the Woman Warriors podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So today our guest is Maria Paredes. She is a licensed professional counselor in Greensboro, North Carolina. So Maria, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into your line of work. Sure. So like you said, I'm a licensed professional counselor. I'm also an approved supervisor and a certified eating disorder specialist. So I work with men and women who want to heal their relationship with body and food And I do that from a broad perspective. So really thinking of like helping people um, liberate themselves from any form of body oppression. So that includes people who might be experiencing discrimination or oppression related to their sexual orientation or their gender identity or um, their racial ethnic background or their size or um, their appearance in in any other kind of way or fashion. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I like that phrase, body oppression. Yeah, well, I think a lot of eating disorders um, and body image issues and a lot of just world issues come down to um, the ways in which we oppress bodies, in which our cultures oppress bodies and and try to sort of police and control the way that bodies are, um, which isn't really something that we have much choice around. You know, we're sort of just given a body and um, it's. I think it's so interesting and sad that we try to control um, people's bodies um, and try to shame them in so many different ways. Yeah. And just, just, yeah, what's accepted as either quote unquote normal or average, like everybody looks so different. Like, you know, if you were to walk Mm -hmm. down the city street, everybody is their own unique person. And to have uh, that limited, like, this is what you should look like. Mm -hmm. Overwhelming. I agree. And I think that there's a lot of, unfortunately, misinformation out there about bodies and particularly around um, the area that I do a lot of work in is around weight. I think there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of discriminatory information out there um, that really shames people just for being in the body that they're in. And so, you know, um, I think that particularly we see a lot of people who are in higher weight bodies um, experience a lot of discrimination, sometimes um, are refused health treatment or are um, made to feel as though um, 
their body is wrong or that they have to shrink themselves simply because their body is larger. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know, um, yes, I have experienced that in, you know, my working with clients of, yeah, mm-hmm. just clients feeling like, it, you know, no matter what they look like, feeling like they don't look okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in, in some of the, I do um, some body image groups and I try to purposely have um, a variety of um, body sizes in the groups and try to have diversity in as many ways as I can. Sometimes it just depends on who's interested in participating at that particular time. Mm-hmm. But um, it's something that we have really great conversations around because I think, uh, unfortunately, you know, most women, and I think a lot of men too, can identify with feeling like um, in some way that their body is wrong, which is an interesting kind of, you know, idea, like how could a body be wrong, you know, just for being. And, um, and so of course we really try to name and, and sort of, um, just recognize that like folks in larger bodies really do tend to experiencing experience more discrimination than folks in smaller bodies. But I can tell you, and I'm sure in the work you've done that people who are even at the very, very low end of weight um, can feel extremely bad about their bodies and feel that their bodies are wrong in some way. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I I agree 100%. And so what inspired you to do this work that you do with around bodies and and non-body shaming? Sure. So I'm pretty open about being in recovery myself from an eating disorder. I also have something called PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And you know, I talk about bits and pieces of, of both of those um, in different ways, um, as I, I think can be helpful for folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my own recovery process and um, desire to um, help other people experience the freedom that can come with not, um, you know, spending so much time trying to shrink your body. Uh, I think that's a lot of the passion. And I also think like, um, you know, working with people at higher weights, they are some of the coolest, you know, bravest, awesome people um, that unfortunately often often get reduced to um, sort of a stereotype just because their body is larger. And so apart from just my own experience and passion, I also just really like working with um, people who are fat. And I, I use that in a weight neutral way, meaning neither good nor bad. It's just a descriptor of different bodies. And mm-hmm. I appreciate how fat activists have been um, making efforts to reclaim the word that it doesn't have to be something that we're scared of. Wow, wow. And I had not realized that that was a reclaiming process. Um, but mm-hmm. it makes sense because it can be used in such a derogatory way. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, I think if it's being used in a derogatory way, certainly, I think that that's harmful. But um, it's, I think it's really interesting and powerful to hear people talk about um just like you said, like reclaiming it and experiencing it in a different way. So, you know, as an example, um, I have three daughters and um, one of the things I try to do around them is to model being okay with my body and and also to teach them that fat is not a bad thing. So, you know, um, one story that I've told before is uh, my daughter and I were watching some gymnastics and she said, mommy, that girl's butt is fat like yours. And, you know, um, I think, if I wasn't doing this work or in a previous point in my recovery that might've stung more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really try to kind of take those kind of things in neutrally and explore them. And so with my response I was like, 
huh, interesting. I bet her body can do a lot of different things, you know, and just sort of seeing it as like, it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like fat doesn't have to be a bad thing, you know, and, and teach them like, you know, some people do use it in a bad way. And so, you know, we want to be careful in how we use it, but, um, but that it doesn't have to be this scary thing. Bodies come in all shapes and sizes and all bodies have worth. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love that yeah. you're, you're teaching that to your three girls because, you know, and I don't, I don't know if you find this, I, I mean, I know both men and women struggle with body image or, mm-hmm. and, or eating disorders. Um, but it, it seems to me and tell me if I'm wrong, that, uh, women have, at least it's more public, like there's more knowledge around yeah. women and eating disorders and body image. Yeah. So, you know, I think you're highlighting a couple of things. Like I think, because of um, the oppression that women experience more than men. So in our you know, culture and most cultures around the world, women are not valued in the same ways as men. So we're not paid as much or um, there's more violence committed against us. We often have less power, mm-hmm. not because we don't deserve it, but just because of the different power structures that are in place. So I think related to all of that, women have definitely experienced more intense scrutiny of their bodies and um, less permission to sort of be different ways. So we're taught from a very early age that our worth and our value is tied up in our appearance and how we look. Now, at the same time, and I, I you kind of quickly touched on this, which I think is really important, um, I think men do experience it in a lot of ways too, and increasingly so. And in some ways, it can almost be harder for them in terms of the recovery process because it's not as socially sort of seen as okay mm-hmm. to talk about. So, you know, I grew up with four brothers and I actually do a lot of work with male clients and I find that it can be harder for them because it's it's just not as socially acceptable. You know, for women, you know, we can at least talk about how we're feeling and, or go to friends or, you know, it's something that we can name. Whereas for men, it's harder to say, I've got some body image issues, you know, or I'm, I'm feeling crummy about the way I look or about my size. Yeah. Um, so in that way, it can almost be harder. Yeah, because it really isn't explored as much in terms of, uh, at least culturally here, as like an issue. I mean, from my experience. And, and of course, men must have body issues too, because there is a stereotype about what a typical man should look like in terms of fitness and size and shape. Absolutely. And yeah. 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 And I think that pressure is growing on men. <laughs> Um, and I'm, I'm hearing Elizabeth, my dog right outside my door. Is it okay if I just pause and let him in the, in so he stops barking? Sure. sure. Okay. <laughs> so we paused here for a couple of minutes so Maria could let her dog in, but we jump right back into our conversation about body image and men and women and anxiety. So here goes. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, um, the, what's neat and I don't, I don't know how much you're on like different social media channels, but um, increasingly, there are more um, men who are being vocal in the sort of body embracing movement. And so um, there are some really great names out there of, um, of men who are just talking more about it, talking more about what it's like to be a man in our culture and what it's like to experience body image concerns. One of my favorites is a registered dietitian. His name is Aaron Flores, and um, he posts great stuff, but there's also some other um, names. I'm trying to remember some of them. I think Chubster is one of them. And, um, but you know, I'm, and I'd be happy to give you some 
after the fact, if you want to share them with your audience. Yeah, Yeah. that would be, that would be great. And I can put them in the show notes. That would be cool. Fantastic. So I'd like to go back to just, you know, this, you know, as culture impacts how we see ourselves and what we feel like we should look like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, being that my podcast is about women and anxiety. Yeah. So, you know, to me, of course, that would impact how anxious you might be. If you were feeling that your body didn't fit the cultural norms or that you hated your body or whatever your relationship, if it was, you know, this uh, complicated relationship, that that could increase anxiety. Do you see that in your practice? Absolutely. And, and anxiety is, you know, what we market and advertise the most in my practice is that we specialize in eating disorders, but we also do a lot with anxiety, anxiety and have anxiety groups. And there's definitely so much crossover. And one of the areas I see it the most, apart from like intrusive thoughts, obsessional thoughts about food or body, but what I really see a lot is a lot of performance or social anxiety with it. And when you think about what it's like to be in a body, it's a performance, right? Like, so when you go out in the world in your body, um, especially if you're not feeling good about how your body looks like, it's a performance of sorts. And so I think a lot of the same um, symptoms and characteristics that you talk about with social anxiety, um, you can see around body image issues. Um, And actually, it's one of those um, things that I see come out a lot in my groups. And I'll talk about that initially, because you put a group of people in, you know, in a group setting who have body image issues and a lot of anxiety and a lot of times a lot of some social anxiety. Uh, it's hard to get them to talk initially, right? Like, wow, so, yeah, um, I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, that yeah, yeah. So I, purposely, when I'm do, knowing that, I name it at the beginning and and do a lot of exercises to try and um, join them together to try and um, even sort of scaffold their sharing. And so initially. It's I, I have more structure so that they're not having to like come up with something, you know, totally abstract or on the spot that it's more structured, like, okay, let's go around and say our name and now let's go around and, you know, sort of asking them a little bit more and then across the sessions to ask them to do more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think anxiety is a big part of it. And so with that too, like any sort of grounding exercises, any sort of sensory input that helps them reconnect to their present moment, to them, their body sensations can help them start to even get a better sense of their hunger cues and their fullness cues, um, and just body awareness altogether. And, and is that a a difficult, I mean, I know, um, clients that I see women who in particular, who, well, men too, but, uh, even if their, you know, body image isn't a presenting concern, and maybe it's there, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, I'm not aware of it. Getting into the body, really touching in with how it's mm-hmm. feeling, what's going on internally, uh, can be really hard. Do you, oh, yeah. Do you find that with your clients as well? Definitely. And I, I think that relates to something else that's really common is that I think with for a lot of people with eating disorder and body image issues there's a lot of disconnection from the body mm-hmm. and and even at its most extreme dissociation and so a lot of the folks that i work with whether it's about binging or restricting you know or some other sort of eating disorder behavior um they'll often describe not feeling 
present in their bodies, like feeling some sort of disconnection or at, at its extreme, sort of a dissociation from their body experience. So some will talk about like, you know, when I'm eating, I don't feel my body from my neck down, you know, or from my chest down. And so, you know, a lot of times that's might be related to some particular trauma that they've had. It might be like an event trauma, you know, like an assault or something like that. But sometimes it's just the trauma of not having been affirmed in the body that they're in, right? And mm-hmm. which is traumatic, right? Like if you grow up and you're told, whether directly or indirectly, that your body's wrong, um, then or made to feel that way at least, then you know it's hard to feel at home in that body. So you're going to start to want to disconnect from it. And so in some ways, I think people's eating disorder behaviors are even a means of survival. Like they they sort of developed out of a functionality of trying to sort of exit their body experience because their body experience didn't feel safe. And so, you know, I really with folks try to honor that, like, okay, you know, these behaviors came out for a reason. You were trying to survive maybe some abnormal life experiences. You're trying to sort of cope with not being affirmed or, or cope with the trauma experience. So let's not shame you for doing that, like that you did what you needed to survive. And now these same behaviors are getting in your way. And so, yes, it's hard, but part of what's going to be healing is helping you re-enter your body and reconnect and reintegrate those different parts of yourself. Mm, yeah. And just that whole, uh, that compassion around, mm-hmm. yes, this, this served a purpose and right. it, it, it did help you survive. I think that, you know, I, I come uh, up against that, you know, a resistance to that with, uh, substance use, you know, with mm-hmm. clients who struggle with substance use, it's like, well, no, I hate that part of me <laughs> that wants to disconnect and use. Right. But it's like, well, but but it was it 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 helps you in some way. Like you're trying right. to it because it does feel good, and it it right. is yeah, it is a coping mechanism. Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of like helping our clients see the gray, right? Like mm-hmm. diet culture, eating disorder, you know, an addiction. Want you to see things in very black and white terms, right? Very all or nothing, and um, and so with that, then when you're healing, I think people can initially see those behaviors in black and white, like those are bad, and so I just need to get away from them, and there's nothing I can learn from them. And I don't think that helps the recovery process and healing process. I think we need to help them see like the functionality of what those behaviors were, what where did they come from, so that we know what we need to put in place, right? Like if that was serving a purpose, that behavior, and we take that behavior away, it's leaving you vulnerable. And so we really need to understand it so that we can find other ways to cope and to feel connected and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Amazing work and not easy on both parts, both for the therapist, but also, you know, for the clients. It's hard work to mm-hmm. accept yourself as you are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So if you were to, uh, if you had a tip uh, or um, something that you would like to impart to the listening audience uh, who maybe struggle with body image, what, what might you share with us? You know, I think the, the biggest thing I would say, or if there was only one thing you'd take away is just to be curious. Like this work is hard, whether it's like healing from, you know, whatever trauma, whether it's an eating disorder or addiction or anxiety, 
you know, life is hard in a lot of different ways. And I don't think we need to like compare, you know, it's not like we only can have compassion for certain issues. Like life is hard for everyone in different ways. Some have it harder than others. And I think when we're trying to make some sort of big change, curiosity is one of our best friends, you know, just being curious about how things might be different, just being curious about what something new might feel like, you know? Um, so you know, the case of a lot of the people I work with, sometimes it's just being curious about a different food they haven't tried or a scary food or just being curious about moving their body or experiencing a part of their body in a way that they haven't before. And I think that curiosity builds or breeds more curiosity and that breeds more curiosity. And and then folks really start to be able to just see the world in a little bit of a different way. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, I, I curiosity is... Uh something we lose sight of, I think, when, when we are in that place of judgment and Mm -hmm. threatened or absolutely not enough. And, uh, yeah, I think that's an awesome tip. Um, so are there any, I know you mentioned, mentioned a few books for, you know, men, uh, who were struggling with body image, but are there resources that you, you know, if you could come up, you know, yeah, Sure. Well, um, you know, one of the my go-to books um, that I think, you know, is really helpful for people is a book called Intuitive Eating. And it's by um, two dietitians, um, Shribal and Resh are the last names. But if you Google intuitive eating book, it'll come up. It's um, it's a pretty well-known one. And then another book that actually just came out, and I think it's it's so great, I'm, I'm almost done with it, is called The Body is Not an Apology. Um, which is related to this woman's movement. She's a woman who identifies as black and queer and fat. And um, she writes so beautifully about um, just this idea of body liberation and helping people um, just make peace with their bodies and not have to apologize for being in a body, which is, is kind of, I think, what oftentimes we're taught to do, like to apologize for being in a body. And then if folks want to find me, I, um, you know, I have a blog. You can find it on my website, which is threebirdscounseling.com. And, um, and then I'm on Instagram at with this body. Nice. And, um, and that will be the name of my podcast that um, will be coming out hopefully soon. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, so upcoming projects, your podcast and tell, yeah. us, tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So, you know, this is the first time I'm like, publicly talking about it. <laughs> I've kind of been behind the scenes working on it and which is exciting. I, you know, had um, been on these different podcast interviews and really enjoying talking to people and had thought I would focus it on eating disorders and body image, but there's really so many good ones out there already that I made me think like, I want to go a little bit broader. And so I want to talk to people about stories of hope and courage and radical acceptance. And Mm so I'm going to be interviewing or am already interviewing people who have experienced some sort of, um, you know, big life challenge or struggle and how they've transformed it into something meaningful. And so um, folks who, you know, whether they lost a child or, um, you know, experience some sort of abuse or assault as a kid or um, or are disabled in some way and just how they've sort of chosen to live with this body and sort of radically accept mm-hmm. what they've been given or, you know, what they have, who, who they are, um, and how they turn that into something meaningful. And, and less in a, you know, everything happens for a reason, not, not in that kind of fluffy way, but more in like, a, okay, this is what it is. So how do we live with this? Right, right. How do we 
move forward how and how do yeah and how do we grow on this journey if this is mm-hmm. this is who i am yeah 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 that's amazing that sounds awesome i can't wait thank you oh thank you i can't wait to to subscribe and listen when you get it up and running yeah thank you so much awesome well maria thank you thank you thank you for being a part of this i know it was a little uh, tough scheduling today with the snow where you are, but I, I <laughs> yes. appreciate your flexibility around it all. And um, um, I look forward to um, talking to you hopefully again soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in to my interview this week with Maria. I really appreciated her sharing her expertise and knowledge around body image and eating disorders. My, my takeaway was really, I don't know, I guess it really impacts me and, and, and frustrates me that our society and many societies around the world value a certain body type as okay or normal or accepted. And that if we don't fit that mold, if we're not, say in America, if we're not tall and white and thin and blonde, then we're not okay. And that that's distressing because we're all so unique and beautiful and I just, I hope that as a society, we can learn to embrace the differences, whether it's physically or culturally or ideologically. I, I just, that feels so important to me that we need to learn to embrace difference. And um, I hope this episode will be a starting point for that for women. So I hope you have a wonderful week. And if you have topics that you would like me to address on the podcast, please reach out through my website, www.womanwarriors.com, or you can email me at ecush135 at gmail.com. That's it for this week. Ciao for now from this woman warrior. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on the Woman Warriors podcast, the show notes, the resources that were discussed, or links to the profiles of the people who were interviewed, you can find them at www.womanwarriors.com.